And uh, according to law of unification, when uh, we rise above the forces of the lower levels of consciousness, and when we uh, unify our human mind with the idea mind, we can actually bring in new creations into the world, which will provide us fulfillment and which will help us, you know, br- um, fulfill our individual dharma. So it's more like uh, again, it's the same thing. It's it's not only creating the material things into the world, the new things into the world, but it is also connecting it is also helping us connect with that uh, individual dharma with our own true purpose which will bring us spiritual fulfillment as well you got to accentuate the positive wow, i feel good a bit of feel good goes a long way you're listening to karen swain teacher of deliberate creation Accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fat, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. So great to be with you all again. And remember, if you're liking the shows, to please subscribe, leave a comment, press the like button, press the bell button if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on audio, you know, do what it asks you to do on audio. <laughs> Whichever platform you're listening helps the algorithms, helps us share the love, spread the messages throughout the cosmos <laughs> or at least throughout the land. All right. Have I got an interesting guest to introduce you to today? She's in India and her name is Divneet Kaur Lal. Welcome to the show, Divneet. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I'm so fascinated to talk to Divneet because she's in India. I want to quiz you about what's going on in India. I know that probably you don't know everything that's going on in India, you know, as far as what's happening in the world with the current global crisis. Because if people ask me what's going on in Australia, I can only really tell them what's happening in my suburb, right, which is not depicting the rest of Australia. But anyway, I thought it would be fascinating to speak to you, not only about your journey and what you're teaching, but what's happening in India. Let me tell people a little bit about you. So Divneet has been studying spiritual texts and practicing meditation techniques since she was a child developing an affinity for a spiritual text at an early age, which helped her gain spiritual knowledge. In addition, it brought with it an unquenchable desire to know the truth of creation. As Divneet grew up, this desire became more and more powerful, swallowing her interests in worldly life. Although for a while she managed to balance her spiritual desires with her worldly desires, this force made itself clear It will not go away until she reaps from it what it has to provide. Today, Divneet is an author, speaker and consciousness teacher who speaks about the law of unification, empowering people to create new creations for the world and a conscious life of purpose. She's spent the past two decades studying consciousness development and self-mastery Uh, and inspires you to think in a creative, innovative, radical ways to develop new solutions and uh, supporting leaders and accelerating their journey into fulfillment. And your website is divneetkorlal.com. So Kaur is spelled K-U-R-L-A-L-L.com. Did you grow up with traditional uh, traditional religious background? What were your parents, 
what was your background as far as spiritual uh, spiritual knowledge? Um, so yes, I grew up in a religious family. Uh, my parents were religious, and I mean they are religious, and uh, not just religious. Uh, I think my father was uh, spiritual as well because you know the first experience I had. Uh, uh, with uh, where I got my first uh, taste of that uh, when I was uh, looking for these books and I found this book in my home in a cupboard or somewhere and uh, that was related to uh, the yoga and meditation practices so um, I think my dad was also into you know he used to uh, read those kind of texts but uh, it, it just uh, I found it to be really really uh, attractive and uh, I just got wanted to go deeper into it so I started uh, learning about those books and those texts uh, in more in a, in a more in, in a deeper manner so yes uh, religion is a part of uh, our family but then yes I, I think there is also this touch of spirituality to that many people would say religion is spirituality but what flavor of religion was it Hindu Muslim what what type of religion we because you know in the west our dominant religion is catholic protestant sort of that sort of flavor lots of jewish people and especially in australia lots of hinduism a lot of people who join our conscious community or spiritual community uh, get into the indian sort of flavor of spirituality doing a lot of yoga and and indian type mantra and meditation it's very popular here not so much in america but very popular in Australia. So what right. did you grow up with? Hinduism? Or? Yeah, so uh, my family, uh, so we are from Sikh religion. So Sikh, uh, nice. It's, it's a very new, you know, it's it's not that old like Hinduism. It's kind of, you can say a lot of uh, Sikhs teachings of Sikhism, they are derived from Hinduism and mm -hmm. so many other texts as well. So um, uh, it kind of, uh, it's, it's like it incorporates a lot of things in that if you will read uh, uh, the holy textbook which we actually call as the our present guru the holy uh, religion holy sick uh, textbook it's guru granth sahibji so uh, it's beautiful and it does does not only you know uh, contains the essence of spirituality but all but it also contains the essence of all the other religions and i think uh, that is the best part of uh, guru granth sahibji and i love reading it uh, so it you know it kind of opens the doors for us to explore other religions as well so if you want to go deeper into other religions as well we can uh, go to you know read Bhagavad Gita's we can read Vedas because there is a mention of all those texts in Guru Granth Sahib Ji so mm -hmm. we can do that mm -hmm. I know I know religion is there's so many you know offshoots of the one sort of in Hinduism and especially Christianity you know there are so many there's so many modes of thinking that are offshoots from the original Christian texts. You know, I can't even name them. And I suspect it's the same with Hinduism. It's an even older religion. It's all it's based more like, you know, uh, uh so whenever religion comes into you know existence it's more like it, it is derived from spirituality itself so if someone if someone starts a religion they have had spiritual experiences and then they try to put it into words they try to put those teachings into the world and in a way it becomes religion so it's the same thing just when we give structure to it it kind of becomes religion for us 
You know, what I want to know, why I'm asking you this is uh, it says in your bio that you were reading spiritual texts and I was wondering what spiritual texts those were. Was it was it the Sikh spiritual texts or was it more modern spiritual texts like Wayne Dyer or right. Conversation with God or Abraham or, you mm-hmm. know, Seth, the Seth material? I mean, so what we- I started, yeah, I started with you. Yeah. I'm very fond of these religious texts, not just Sikh religious texts, but uh, even I have read, you know, holy books uh, related to, I mean, a, a lot of religions like uh, Buddhism, uh, mm-hmm. Sikhism, Hinduism, even Christianity. So I have read a lot of texts and I have also read those spiritual texts as well. You're talking about the authors mm-hmm. from America, the authors from uh, various other books, maybe we are not even aware about. So I have read them all. Uh, but there is this one thing which I found, uh, which I actually, I used to interpret them in a very different way earlier before I had the spiritual experience. But once I had the spiritual experience, I was able to connect all those things. Like they were all the same. They were just using different ways to represent the same thing, but uh, it was all the same. They were all talking about same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just, they had the experiences may be different. Like, um, some people say that uh, a dissolution of ego happened and they kind of met God or some people say there was this the person disappeared and we were able to see this uh, you know uh, this oneness in the world so all these things may mean the same thing they are just using their own individual expression to express this uh, the, these things through their books through that knowledge they are sharing maybe through holy text or everything we read absolutely absolutely I, I, I absolutely agree once you really embody the, the knowing of what is being taught, you see that same knowing in everything that's written, in everything right. that's written. Right. Uh, it, it, is, it, is, um, it is spoken in different vernacular with different words, you know, it's, but it is the one truth. But what I'm interested to know is, uh, well, tell us about your spiritual experience. What happened? I used to do this meditation practices and uh, I used to uh, read the, the those checks, but I never thought, you know, it's going to uh, do something to me. I was just doing it because I was interested in those things to know it's the, there's some deeper truth and there was this strong urge, but I was also working and I was also, you know, trying to balance all those things with my work, with my uh, material life. But there was this strong desire, which kind of started growing in a manner for a while. It started growing. And I kind of also, you know, neglected it for a while, kind of, you know, we are not going to leave our jobs and (laughs) sit in a corner and do all those things. So that was what I used to think about. So, but then it was so strong that I had to do that. And I kind of uh, felt so strongly drawn that I spent a lot of time in solitude and I got deeper into meditation. And uh, when I was doing that meditation, uh, one, one day, uh, it kind of everything just kind of disappeared something kind of disappeared and I had no idea what it was so at that moment I, I, although I used to read those spiritual texts but you know when that uh, dissolution happens when that person disappears or when that ego disappears it's it's really disorienting and uh, you cannot say it's just because you think that spiritual experience is going to be really something very beautiful and something you know very uh, it's got to change your life but uh, it was just that uh, it just kind of that identification went away and I felt that something has gone and I was I did not know what it was and after a while because that was the that was a time when it was very empty and the fullness had was not there and it took some time for me to actually for that brightness or for that 
uh, fullness to come in and for you know the the process which has to it, it kind of was not completed in that moment the only thing which happened was that ego dissolution so i had to figure out what it was um so uh, I was not able to do anything because, you know, uh, earlier it was the person who was controlling everything, uh, the person who was taking charge of everything, like I need to do this, I need to do that. And when that that person kind of disappeared, I had no idea what to do. Now there was no one, the master or the person who was mastering everything was not there. So it was empty. I was just, uh, there was this awareness that something is there. I'm not there. Something is there. I did not know what it was there. So. Uh, I just kind of spent more time on solitude, did self-inquiry and read more texts, books, trying to figure out what it is. And after a while, that uh, the brightness started coming in. And when, you know, that fullness comes in, uh, that was the time I knew that, yeah, now this is it. Like, this is where, I, this is what I was searching for. And th that is something beautiful. And uh, then it's, it's more like your life becomes a, uh, you know, a flow after that, because then your mind cannot uh, think or plan things like we have to do this, we have to do that. It's more like things start happening in your life and you kind of uh, surrender to it or you kind of leave that control. But before that, everything is uh, is being controlled by the mind. Beautiful. So how long ago did that happen, Divneet? So maybe it was, I think it's been years now. Uh, maybe I, I do not know four or five or six <laughs> maybe so it, it's been years now but then then these ideas started coming in and uh, I started working upon this book uh, I had no idea why I was doing that but uh, I had to do it it was again this there was this strong force which made me do it and uh, I started writing and I, <laughs> and I did that although I was I always say that uh, I was not interested in like writing or something. I never planned that I'm going to be a, you know, an author and do the, this kind of work. I was like, okay with my uh, job, but yeah, it kind of suddenly happened. So uh, before you put yourself out there as a spiritual mentor, teacher, you were in the corporate world, you said. Right, right. What, what were you doing? Uh, so I was in the technical field i'm an engineer and uh, so i was working there but yeah there was uh, i would not say that i was very happy with that i was okay with that uh, i never thought that i'm going to you know change uh, change or leave it i was i was actually thinking about uh, working hard in the same field and you know achieving something but then uh, I was okay with that. But there was this desire. I would say that there was something that was missing. Maybe I was not following my purpose. Maybe there was something else I had to do. And I even was not aware about that I, at that moment. Whereabouts in India are you? I'm in New Delhi. Oh, you're in New Delhi. And was engineering something that you wanted to do or you were encouraged to do by your family or friends or? No. No, uh, I think, uh, you know, in India, how it happens, uh, we just grow up and I was good in study. So uh -huh. I took a stream like uh, I studied science and then we are like, OK, so now we have done science. Now there are like these two fields. You can go and become a doctor or you can go become an engineer. So okay. <laughs> I did not want to become a doctor. So I thought, OK, engineer is a good engineer, job. Let's yeah. become an engineer. Yeah, fair enough. Fair so, enough. Yeah. yeah, Interesting. I know they don't really teach you how to be a teacher of deliberate creation at university, do they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's not really on the curriculum yet exactly this is this is but, how we do 
this? I mean, this is how we are programmed to do or how to choose our line of work. But I'm thinking you and I and everybody else are going to change that, you know, like maybe after my lifetime, but one day deliberate creation or conscious creation or, right. you know, the, your, the law of unification or those sorts of subjects will be on the curriculum of every university. This is exactly. And, you know, uh, it's, it's so good that you mentioned it. You and I have mentioned this in the book, Master Integration Using the Law of Unification, that we need to, you know, create these, uh, add these things, maybe law of unification or this conscious creation into the syllabus so that we can have those things because uh, the new generation is not going to follow. I, I do not think they are going to be living like us at all. They are more aware. I just feel they are more aware. You know, even my nieces and nephews or maybe the children I come across, I just feel they are not like us. They just do not blindly follow anything. So I yeah. feel there is this awareness in them. And if we can kind of cultivate it or if we can, you know, help them to make good decisions, yeah. it would be so much beneficial for them and uh, for the planet as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did um, so when you had this spiritual awareness occur um so first there was the d dissolving of the ego and then there was a sense of sort of emptiness which didn't feel bad but just confusing right because there's, right. there's kind of like nothing the mind has always got to do this got to make a plan got to get that you know like it's always doing doing and emptiness is just being it's just still right, right? right. And then you said a brightness came in. What did the brightness feel like? Was it, a, was it an expansion of your psychic abilities? Like what was happening when you said the brightness came in? So um, it was like, it's like, uh, how do I explain this? It's like, you know, when, uh, uh, when we wear sunglasses, uh, there is this, uh, this kind of small field which covers our eyes, like, like a black tint or, a, or some tint, whatever tint the sunglasses are. So uh, it just kind of happened like that tint was removed and everything started to appear bright and things were, uh, at times I also felt that uh, when I used to, I was very fond of animation movies earlier, so when I used to watch those animation movies, I just felt that I'm, I'm just watching that, those animation movies, I mean it happened, it kind of felt so bright, so lively I would say, uh, that uh, I just explain it by the word brightness because it just appears like that to me. It, it just feels like I was living in some kind of, there was this dark tint around my eyes earlier and then slowly, and it did not happen in one day. It happened gradually after that emptiness experience. It, it was like uh, one day at a time, this this uh, tint was removed, being removed and, uh, and a day happened. I was like, I was standing in the balcony and I was looking outside and I was like, oh my God, this is something else. I, I, I just did not have words to explain it. it. I just felt like, like, wow, what is, I mean, it was something else. I don't know. <laughs> All I could say is that this is different. This is, and it just felt very light, very beautiful. So did you start to tap in more to your spirit guides? Did you start to hear your higher self sort of communing with you, talking with you, uh, inspiring you? No, I did not do anything. I'm the person who is mostly into books and texts. So even when I was trying to figure out things, I was reading those books, those texts, trying to see. And I think they helped me understand. So when you re read those words written by those, you know, enlightened people, it actually 
actually, even when we do not understand the language, I feel that there is this essence in them which makes us clear about something. Like it just, uh, it just uh, creates a knowing inside us that there is something else, something different. And you just know, like even if we do not have words to explain those things, you just know that what is it. So I think I was taking uh, all the help I was taking. I was taking from those holy texts, those spiritual texts and books. And I've always considered them my teachers. Like those books are my teachers. I always say them that. So I, I don't. I don't think I need to connect with the, uh, anything else. Uh, I think I just need to do some self inquiry. Uh, for me, it works like that. Like self inquiry and reading those texts, those words from those enlightened people, enlightened masters. Well, you know, I feel like spiritual texts are not teaching us as much as reminding us what our soul or our or our inner knowing already knows. And That's so true. Uh, you know, I, I you know, when people ask me this question because uh, I speak about my mob, my spiritual team, or my higher self, or my guides, or whatever you want to call it, a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, as a young girl, I or they were always speaking to me and I knew it, but I never identified with it as anything outside of me talking to myself. Like I just used to call it my common sense. It always make it always made a lot of sense. And then we have free will. And as a sort of rebellious young girl, I would have a thought that would make a lot of sense, but I could choose to ignore it. And I often did. <laughs> And every time I ignored my common sense, which is what I called it, I kind of got myself in trouble. And when I listened to it, I didn't. So it really wasn't until I was reading the book's Conversation with God, a spiritual text, that Neil, uh, Donald Walsh, having the conversation with what he deems as God, you know, there's the distinct two voices in the book. So there's the inquiring mind, the questioner, but what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And then there's the answer. And I realized that I was having that same conversation in my own head. I was having questions that I wasn't reading in the book. And then I was receiving the answers that were not written in the text. Have you experienced something like that? I suspect that you have. Right, 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 right. Yes, and that is what I call self-inquiry because, uh, you know, I always say that the answers are within us. So that right. wisdom which we are searching for outside and even in those books. So even those books, they are like pointings, like where right. we need to go to or what we need to see. So even those words, they are just pointing us. And the self-inquiry does the same thing. So when we question ourselves, uh, we know that where we need to go, or maybe there are pointings inside. So I do not receive answers, you know, in the form of words or something, but I just feel there is this knowing which happens. So even Mm -hmm. when I do this self-inquiry, it's more like... um, a kind of understanding comes in and uh, I'm just able to understand what it is or where do I have to go or what is the next step I need to take. And I think if we can incorporate all those things in our lives, uh, we can be better decision makers in our lives, even if we have to, you know, take the take a smallest decision in our life. And if we can self-inquire and see what we need to do instead of, you know, uh, asking people are, because a lot of people make decisions by following the crowd, like what other people are doing, let's do the same thing. If that is working for them, maybe it will work for us, but it doesn't happen that way because we all have our own uh, individual purpose here, our own individual dharma. And uh, we all can take different paths and it can lead us to our, you know, our destiny or maybe uh, 
what is the best for us, uh, what mm. is the best for the planet, or maybe which, which can help uh, grow our consciousness. So I think uh, it's best to make our own decisions by following that voice inside us, or maybe by doing self-inquiry, or maybe uh, so people have different words, like connecting with those guides, talking to God. So whatever we can call that inner voice, that yeah. inner wisdom is so necessary to connect with. Yeah, you can call it inner knowing. I, I speak to many people who say, I don't have spirit guides talking to me. And I say, but you know stuff? Yeah, I know stuff. It's like, I don't right. know, you can call it spirit guides or you can call it your higher self or your inner being or your inner knowing. It really doesn't matter what you label it as long as you follow exactly. it. Exactly. And when people say, I ask someone a question and they say, I don't know, I would say, yeah, you do know. Because, you know, when we're self-inquiring, as you say, as you when you inquire, you have an instant knowing and then your logical questioning mind comes in almost immediately after you have the knowing, like you have the knowing and then you have the question and then you doubt it and then you say, I don't know, but there is this knowing. So if you press people and say, what if you did know? They say, well, this is what I think, you know, <laughs> it's like, okay. But the questioner seems to dominate you know, like that can't be right. No, I don't right. know that. You know, the questioner, the logical inquiring mind or the ego mind, some people call it the doubting mind. But yes, so one can call it inner knowing and it would still be the same thing as guidance or, right. yeah, yeah. And, you know, but, like we say, I don't know. I think it, it also works in self-inquiry. I would say like, even if people say, I do not know, that also kind of, you know, uh, kind of pulls that trigger and, uh takes them into that knowing even if we have a question coming from and we are like I don't know that means we want to know something that is like it just uh, puts us deeper into that I, I do not know something and we can go into that knowing instead of going you know if, when we are saying I don't know and when we are searching around when we are going here and there so you say it say I do not know but just connect with that again like I don't know and I want to know so go there and deeper into that and you will find it Absolutely. Because it happens a lot of times, even with me, it happens, you know, I'm, although I feel uh, that flow comes in there, like flow is there, but I still feel a lot of times that mind comes in, uh, the mind is all because uh, the mind, I don't think the mind dissolved. I think the ego dissolved. So ego is not there. Uh, that person is not there, but st the mind is, th those thoughts are always there, but I'm able to, you know, consciously choose them and a lot of times uh, when some maybe you ask me something and I'm like I don't know and then immediately the answer comes in yeah so it happens with me yeah I just say I don't know and then I answer yeah this is let, it so let me, I feel it it helps mm -hmm. let me ask you because uh there's a beautiful word that you use that not everyone might know and obviously Deepak Chopra has done a lot for uh, expanding sort of beautiful words from India in the English, you know, the Western society. But you use the word Dharma, Dharma. Do you want to explain to people what Dharma is? Right. And I have even, you know, it's, it's also part of the book, but <laughs> It's, 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 I have explained it in a different manner. I mean, how I experienced it for me, it was more about individual dharma. So usually in India, dharma is the word which is used to describe religion, which is not very accurate in a sense, because uh, we usually term dharma as our religion. Like, what is your religion? What is your term? That is how Indians refer to it. But in a way, it is more like the highest law, like uh, the highest law of the universe are uh, how how we can follow it dharma is more like that one law 
uh, which is there, which is supporting us all, which is supporting the planet, the universe. But in a way, it is also individual to every person. So everyone's individual dharma, if we all follow our own individual dharma, uh, uh, our own that distinct law or that distinct purpose, uh, as a whole, we would be able to fulfill that whole dharma, like dharma of the universe. And what happens is we deviate from our own individual dharma, which in turn uh, kind of uh, hinders the functioning of the whole, the functioning of the universe, because if we are following, if each of if each one of us is consciously following our own individual dharma, we are going to help other people in a way to follow their individual dharma and then in turn help the planet follow its individual dharma. And, you know, we can become a peaceful planet in that manner. But if we are going to deviate from that, if we are going to, our egos are going to rule us and will not let us follow those things, uh, we are not going to be become a peaceful planet. We are going to fi keep fighting for for things which the ego desires, we will be fulfilling those lower desires which the ego has. So it is so important for us to follow our individual dharma. So it would be like another way of saying it would be like your soul's plan or your soul's intention for your lifetime. So um, we speak a lot about before we come into this incarnation here on earth, we, uh, we you know, from the spirit side with our spirit guides and angels, we create a plan and we say, okay, I'm going to come into density, into this contrasting environment, and then I'm going to live out a physical life. And the plan is to do this, but as you say, free will and ego does not always right. stick to the plan, right? <laughs> so you could call that dharma and, and for the planet has her plan as well. So that would be collective or universal global dharma. Um, yeah. I guess she doesn't have a plan for humans to, you know, affect so much war and damage to her body. So she would. Have I think it's it's more like like we this consciousness is like kind of you know incorporating everything, so it's everywhere. So and it's always evolving. It it's evolving through human beings. It needs to evolve through us because the way our ancestors used to live, we are not living like that. And I think the awareness grows in a manner. Maybe we are educating each other, maybe. So in every way, the awareness grows. But then uh, as the awareness is growing, there uh, the ego is also growing. And it's more like a struggle now. So ego or the human mind, which kind of does not allow that awareness or those new uh, consciousness you know, uh, to come into the planet, to establish in itself onto the planet. So that struggle is also there. So if if we can rise above those uh, those forces, those you know uh, the forces of the mind which are stopping us, or maybe the forces of the lower levels of consciousness, we can help that uh, that new consciousness to stabilize into on this planet or stabilize into the world by maybe by creating new creations, as you uh, uh, talked about in the beginning, that we can use those uh, deliberate creation and uh, put it into the new curriculum. So. All those are new creations. We can build those new schools, new universities, which can provide that curriculum. So we can create those new creations, and those new creations need to be uh, need to be built around that newer levels of consciousness, consciousness, which is so important. Because uh, I think that that struggle is uh, what keeps us away from that. I have 
I have been through that because I was also kind of struggling to, you know, uh, and there was a time in my life as well when I was, uh, uh, because for a while I was not uh, ready to leave my work and I was not ready to, you know, start this new thing, but I had to do it. I thought that like, this is important. Maybe this is important and uh, it has to be brought into the world in a way and I just cannot resist it. And, and, uh, you know what this is so powerful and i would say that uh, i've also written it in the book that you know if consciousness desires to bring those new creations into the world or uh, take this planet to new levels of consciousness there is no way we can stop it from doing that Absolutely. Uh, or what will happen is we will struggle we will suffer because it needs something it needs to evolve and we are not going along with it so we are fighting it and that is the reason that uh, on our planet there are so many things that are growing these these this anger this uh, these uh, you know distortions we are seeing in the world fighting and everything these things grow because we resist that we resist uh, that new levels of consciousness which is need to be needed to be brought into the world so your book wasn't in your bio what is your book called it's mastering creation using the law of unification Okay, mastering creation using the law of unification. And right. as someone who feels that their ego dissolved, and so you had the experience of knowing ego because you didn't know ego, how would you explain the ego to people? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is so true. You, you said it so rightly that I, I know ego because... <laughs> I did not knew it early. I, I mean, this is so true. How would I explain it is, um, I just feel that it kind of sticks around. Like uh, it was something that used to stick around everything. Like uh, even if we own something, we have something, maybe, maybe a thing, maybe a person. Ego is something which kind of attaches itself. It's more like that uh, that leech, you know, it kind of attaches itself to everything it sees, it has, or, and that is how it is. And as soon as it was dissolved, uh, you are free. It's like, now you're not, uh, you still love people. You still have that compassion for people. You still have uh, those feelings, emotions, but uh, those attachments are not there. Like that, that strong attachment, which, which kind of binds us to everything, which kind of which is like chains, I would say, that drops away. So I think ego is more like that. It kind of binds us to everything. And we just feel that we are stuck. We are just, you know, we cannot move. We cannot do anything. We, we suffer because of that. And as soon as it goes away, we just feel that suffering was never there. It was just that uh, it just felt like it is suffering, but it was never there. Even those emotions, which we think, like uh, when those emotions arise, us, arise in us, like hurt, pain, and all those things, even that doesn't feel like suffering. It just feels like uh, something is passing by as, you know, those that happiness uh, passes by. Similarly, all those emotions flow through you. It, it becomes like that. So I think ego is something that kind of sticks to everything. So... <laughs> Can I, yeah. can I add my view to what I think that you're alluding to? Mm -hmm. uh, ego is the part of us that creates separation because as you talk about with the law of unification, so the truth of who we are is one with everything and we know that. So we have to have an experience when we come into this, this polarized world of polarity, we have to have a mechanism in which we experience separation 
And the ego is the part of us that does that for us. So we feel separate from love and separate from each other and separate from our source. So beautiful. Right. And now that you have, you know, pointed to it. And I think, yes, because uh, uh, when this experience happened, uh, when that emptiness came in, not uh, not during that period when there was this emptiness, but yeah, when that light came in, I I simply felt the same way. Like it was this, uh, everything is like one. Mm -hmm. So yes, maybe that ego was the thing which was creating that separateness. Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful tool of being human. And, uh, and I, you know, I, uh, I was for years with many spiritual teachers, teachers that were talking about dissolving the ego and laying the ego at the foot of the guru. And I actually don't want to dissolve my ego or lay the, I actually love the part of me that is ego, but I understand it is an experience of me. It is not me. So it is the part of me that worries and questions. And then the greater part of me is always there, like the, you know, the voice in my head or the common sense that is there to answer the questioner. But the questioner, the one that feels separate from the answers that that gives birth to the question is summoning the answers. And as the answers are summoned, then then creation happens. And so I think the ego has a very important role to play in creation of this world because most people don't create without ego they desire something so the ego is very connected to desire actually so when you desire something or want something you have this feeling that you you're separate from it so i want abundance because you feel poor or i want love because you feel separate from love or i want health because you feel separate from health so the ego is very much a part of creation because desires are birthed out of lack. And as those desires are birthed, you summon that energy and create a new. Uh, but I think that that's changing as we evolve, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, you know, uh, I think uh, you're right that ego has uh, its own desires. Now, this is something which is uh, explained in Master Creation using the law of unification as well, that there are these desires which are coming from those lower levels of consciousness. And then there are these desires that are coming from those higher levels of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So as ego has its own desire similarly that higher consciousness which is flowing through everyone and which you know wants to bring in new creations into the world also has its desires Mm -hmm. and only if uh, uh, only when that ego is dissolved only when the lower desires are you know taken over that higher consciousness will be able to fulfill its own desires through us because you know if we are going to have so i like this thing that deliberate creation but what if that deliberate creation is given that space for the higher consciousness to work through it so uh, we are creating through our mind like we watch something on television or maybe social media and we are like we need that thing we need that money and we are trying to you know manifest it And what if uh, that is not even our purpose or that is not going to lead us to our evolution? So what here is required is we need to connect with those higher desires, the desires which will actually help us in our evolution or actually help us bring in fulfillment. Because a lot of times uh, we we create something and we do not achieve fulfillment through it. We just create it because uh, our mind gets uh, programmed and we are like, okay, I need this because everyone is having this and maybe it will bring me happiness. But no, it cannot bring us fulfillment. The true desires, those higher desires, which are actually coming from those higher levels of consciousness, not the desires of the ego are 
are the desires which are going to bring us fulfillment. And I think if we can use the deliberate creation in that way, it will be the planet will be a fulfilling planet and, you know, everything will be peaceful and happy. Well, I have a slightly different view. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think that fulfillment is and not something that is gained. So there is still this seeking fulfillment. So when you're seeking anything, the dominant vibration you're putting out is I don't have this. Right. So whether you're seeking fulfillment from connecting to your spirit guides or your soul or your consciousness, or you're seeking fulfillment, you know, from having a lot of money and being famous and you know, drinking lots of champagne or whatever diamonds, you're still seeking something you think that you lack. And so it's still a story of lack in some way. Um, but, you know, I've had this conversation with many people <clears throat> Jim Carrey. Do you know who Jim Carrey is? I think I've heard the name, but, you know, I do not remember. He's, a, he's an American actor-comedian who, um, who's made many movies and he's had a, you know, he's, he's always been quite conscious. And anyway, he had, he, there was famously this statement where he said to people, I wish, I wish you could all have everything that you ever desired because then you will know that you never really wanted it. <laughs> Right. That's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and, uh, and you can't say that to someone who's so in the wanting. It was same with Tom Shadiak, who is another American movie maker who made millions of dollars and moved into this 17 room mansion in Hollywood and realized that it didn't matter how much success and wealth he got, he was not any happier. And he started looking at happiness and, and, and creation in, in very different ways because like a young man setting out, he wanted to make, you know, great movies and get successful and get fame and all that sort of stuff. And he did that. And then he sold everything and moved into a trailer park mm -hmm. and uh, lived very simply. Even though he had millions of dollars, he gave most of his money to charity and just realised that happiness is, is about is about is, is inside. Yeah, it's not right. about the Hollywood. Yeah. But, you know, when you... When you tell people that who, who are very poor, like if you say that to the people that, you know, the slums of India maybe, that having a better lifestyle is not going to bring them happiness, I don't know if they'll really understand that. Do you think? No, see, I do not, uh, I do not agree with this, that uh, when, when we, you know, negate the material. So even, even Mastering Creation using the Law of Unification, the book, does not negate the material and you know is only about the spiritual thing it just it's more about uh, unifying both the things so we need both we need the spiritual fulfillment as well and we need that material fulfillment as well but if we are doing the creation just based upon the material it's not gonna provide us fulfillment because there the spirituality is lacking there that spiritual stuff is lacking there that higher consciousness is lacking and similarly if we are you know just a uh, uh, living in that corner and just you know uh trying to uh, become spiritual or trying to be that thing that's not going to work as well because we still need to live in this material world and that is the reason we are creating here and that is the reason creation is important so we need both we just cannot negate one from the other so the creation has to be like a total it, it needs to provide us material fulfillment and it needs to provide us spiritual fulfillment as well mm. so what is your understanding of the law of unification 
So a uh, law of unification, when those ideas started hitting me, and uh, it, it's actually, it actually came from how the geniuses bring in new creations into the world. Plus, uh, it was found in various motives of the creator gods from various religions, various mythologies. And it was also found in uh, some of uh, other texts like Bhagavad Gita, like the same law, it was, it was portrayed in different manner but it was found in all those places. And uh, according to law of unification, when uh, we rise above the forces of the lower levels of consciousness, and when we uh, unify our human mind with the idea mind, we can actually bring in new creations into the world, which will provide us fulfillment and which will help us, you know, fulfill our individual dharma so it's more like uh, again it's the same thing it's it's not only creating the material things into the world the new things into the world but it is also connecting it is also helping us connect with that uh, individual dharma with our own true purpose which will bring us spiritual fulfillment as well and what would you like to see for Mother India? Because I've been to India not for a long time, but, you know, listening listening to Divnit and all the, um, India is a crazy place, you know, with all the cars and the horns and the chaos. <laughs> and, such, and we're hearing all the beeping in the background. <laughs> Can you hear it now? Because, you know, I, I just, I'm in the last room right now and outside there is this road and yeah. I thought maybe... Are you able to hear it? <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's beautiful. It just sets the stage because it's so India. It's just like yeah, you're not in India unless you're hearing a car horn going beep, beep, beep. I usually, you know, I usually do my uh, these podcast interviews uh, uh, in the midnight because that is the time when you cannot quiet. hear it. Yeah, it's quiet. And right now, because uh, it's, it's in Australia and our times are kind of, uh, kind of, so it, it was evening there. And so I thought, let's do it. <laughs> let's take a chance, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, it I can still matter. hear it. Still, you know, <laughs> okay. India India is a, oh gosh, when I went to India, I was married to a man who was a Hare Krishna and he he uh, he had the, you know, 25 books of the Upanishads. Like that's what he took with him when he left his, his first wife. He took his suitcase of clothes and the 25, is it 25 or 24 books of the Upanishads? I don't know how many. But anyway, the <laughs> stack of, like he carried that around with him. It was funny, a couple of weeks before I met him, I had a psychic reading from a woman who was a devotee of Sai Baba. And I didn't ask about a love life at the time. I was asking about other things, but she said, you have to be a vegetarian and you have to read the 25 books of the Upanishads. And I said, why do I have to do that? And she said, oh, it's it's God's word here on earth. And I'm like, oh, God's word is here on earth in many spiritual texts, you know, why the Upanishads? And I didn't want to read the 25 books of the Upanishads. I met my second husband and he had them all. And I'm like, okay. And he was this really strict vegetarian. So what she was seeing was she was seeing him and she was translating it into my have tos right but she was actually seeing him but he wanted to go to mother india so we went there and spent uh, we spent quite a lot of time touring around uh that was a long time ago but what what would you like to see for india what's happening in india now is it what's happening with the world crisis let's hear your perspective so um, I think it's uh, right now it's better in India, you know, my, uh, my nieces and nephews, they were, they're like starting their schools again. So schools are opening up. So uh, the condition is getting better and uh, we're very thankful for that. And I think uh, in the world as well, uh, though I haven't uh, read the news for a while, but I think it's, it's getting better now uh, everywhere, maybe in Australia as well. Yeah. 
Is it getting better in Australia? Yeah, because in India, I think it's it's getting better and uh, things are opening up. So, <laughs> you know what, as far as getting better, um, I predicted, you know, mid-year that the government with their, with their harsh restrictions and lockdowns and their mandating mm-hmm. would ease up around Christmas time, kind of give us a little bit of respite, a bit of a rest so that we could maybe... Okay enjoy that sort of Christmassy spirit because they're saying here in Australia that uh, people that are unvaccinated are not allowed to go out they're not allowed to go to shops they're not allowed to do this they're not allowed to do that and if you're vaccinated so they're they're bribing people to get the vaccination um you can keep your job if you get vaccinated you can go shopping if you get vaccinated you can do you can have a normal life if you get vaccinated but if you don't where you're you're restricted and so it's bribery and then they're saying they're going to lift those restrictions around mid-December, right? And they might or they might not. And I feel like they will for a time and then bang, another variant will come in next year and it'll all happen all over again. Just when people think that things are getting better, it's like that's the, right. It's you a know, false I mean, I was, sense of peace. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's right. We were also thinking about the same thing because uh, we were told that there is going to be third wave as well. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, but uh, we were like in, in a good state, like let's, because this is a time for festivals in India. <laughs> we have okay. Diwali, we have right. other festivities and Navratris, and then there is this, you know, wedding season going on. So, right. right. <laughs> like what not? And uh, people just cannot stay inside it's it's just impossible during festivals like festivals festivals are <laughs> our life here so you just have to do that so markets are full and uh-huh. all those things are happening so um but uh, i think thankfully uh, uh, we're good with it the cases are not rising so uh, uh, people are able to celebrate Diwali people are able to celebrate Navratri as well and uh, now weddings are going on so it's it's going good till now let's see how the things unfold i hope uh, everything goes well what what are you seeing around you just your experience apart from what's on the mainstream news and stuff like that Mm -hmm. what are you seeing around you what are people saying to you um you know Karen I uh, (laughs) I, I'm someone uh, right now I'm I'm all into work I'm just talking to most of the people I'm talking to are from US like the like the podcasters and other meetings are going on so I'm not even going I do not move around a lot like I'm that kind of person I stay inside and uh, I was busy with these uh, festivities and everything Uh, I was you know with the family and everything so uh, people are not right now talking about COVID I think for them it's over right now (laughs) so so my family or maybe uh, my friends they we do not talk about COVID uh, a lot right now it's more I I think it was uh, in India it was over (laughs) it was over even even as soon as you know as soon as the lockdown lifts up for India the COVID is over so everyone you can see everyone moving around (laughs) doing their stuff so they are free to do whatever they want to do so it doesn't matter if the third wave comes for us but you know it's obviously we have to uh, see the restrictions but it's more like uh, there, there are so many things they need to take care of so because here we have these uh, people who are working in their shops people who are selling things on the streets so they cannot sit inside mm-hmm for even one day. So they are the people who are daily, uh, you know, they have their daily wages. And if they sit there inside their home, so they'll not be able to get to eat for yeah, even one day. Exactly. Yeah. And so did, did India introduce strict 
strict lockdowns. I mean, you know, India is just such a different country to America or Australia. And of course, there's so many people in India compared right. to like somewhere like Australia or New Zealand, not so much the States, but it's such a different country. And, you know, people that have their little stalls and stuff, yeah, they need to work every day to feed their family. Like they can't exactly. not have money come in. So did they did they lock down people like that or did the people that had their stalls just ignore it and sell stuff anyway? So there was, no, there was a time when there was this complete lockdown, you know, when the cases were like really, really high. So there was this time, but then those people were getting affected, like, but it did not happen for too long because government had to open the lockdown because of, they have to take care of them as well. And I think somehow they manage the lockdown and kind of, you know, ask them to stay inside. But there were a lot of people who were... Uh, and then there was these, uh, I think there was this kind of uh, the lockdown where people, certain people were allowed to sell things. Maybe there were these small shops, which are yeah, selling essential food. items. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> essential items. So yeah. uh, they were allowed to do that. So yeah, it, it was the like same that. here, you know, like we have markets here, not like mm -hmm. Indian markets, but markets nonetheless. And, and, and at the markets, they would sell things like perfume candles and clothes and shoes and hats and bags and stuff like that. And then when they did the lockdowns, all the people that were selling are not, uh, you know, um, items that were not necessary, like shoes mm -hmm. and handbags and hats and things, they they went away and just the, so the markets were just food. And I thought that was great, actually. <laughs> and then just recently, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, the lockdowns mm -hmm. lifted. So when you go to the market now, all the candles and the bags and the hats and clothes are back. But so the markets were just food items. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what happened here in Australia as well. But uh, yeah, maybe you're not the person to talk about India because <laughs> you're sort of yeah, I'm, online I'm... talking to people in Australia and on podcasts talking to people in the States and sort of in your own world. And so how do you teach? You teach online, do you? You can't teach in gatherings at the moment. So uh, I will be starting soon because, uh, uh, you know, there were these people who uh, who reached out to me after reading the book and they were like, uh, we need to go deeper into the practices. So I thought I should be starting this law of unification program if they need it. And uh, we would be launching it soon. And uh, uh, I would be starting, I think I would be starting online uh, before we can go into person to person because uh, it's going to take some time and there are certain uh, you know these COVID things like people need to get vaccinated when they're in a group and all those things so there are constraints so um, to start with uh, there is this page on the website which is to register for the law of unification program where people can register themselves and you know enroll and as soon as we'll start or the program will launch they will receive the email you know what I see I see you working with children uh, okay, can you repeat that? Sorry, I, I did not get that. You want me to work with children? I see you working with children. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. You know, I love children. Like, I love to spend time with them and I can do that. I was also working with children. I was teaching them for a while, just, mm -hmm. you know, I just, because I like that. So there was this, uh, the school for underprivileged and I was teaching there. Oh, <laughs> and beautiful. it's so much fun to teach them. Yeah, it's it's, it's really great. The, the energy they are uh, having and it's, it's beautiful. So what were you teaching them? Were you teaching them just sort of normal math and, and you know? Yeah, like it's just... normal, like the schools. Uh, but can you take your subjects? Can you take your program? into that into that place i can do that so what 
age would you suggest me to, <laughs> to you know teach <laughs> you because figure, uh, you'll figure it out <laughs> yeah because the very young ones are not gonna get it i think they're gonna be Ooh, like yeah, uh, although i yeah they will. I you can just teach have to, the meditation you yeah you can teach the I meditation can, and you can just you know right. the young ones totally get it so you teach the meditation and then you ask them questions and you just change the vocab the vernacular the words you just you just make it in the words that kids would understand you know that's beautiful i think we can do that <laughs> you can do that look these, pro these programs you know they're 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 uh, they're they're happening throughout schools now i have a friend in the states who uh, whose son was killed in a in a shooting in an american school and she's teaching she calls it an enrichment program mm -hmm. um or you can and some people are calling it anti-bullying you know like they're using words that the mainstream schools can understand mm -hmm. so why does someone bully somebody because they're feeling you know not good enough inside and you know just getting people to go in and feel their power inside right. it's you know it's just yeah you can really make it very mainstream we can do that right yeah. i mean yes i i think i would love to do that i love to spend time with them <laughs> so, yeah, yeah yeah i see that i mean you can still do your own adults and and do your online stuff but um i do see you going back and working with the kids or well, maybe you still oh. are working with the kids i don't know i think maybe maybe i could do that part-time or somewhere because i as i told you i love to spending time with them and it's it's just it makes you more joyful you know to spending oh, yeah. time with kids yeah it's, it's so joyful kids are fabulous right oh darling one it's been such a beautiful blessing and pleasure to talk with you today same and here to hear about your um law of unification and your experience and a little bit about what's happening in india uh we'll wait and see what happens next year yes as you say it's festival season and wedding season in india and they're going to roll out the third wave next year <laughs> They're going to go yeah, just, when you think, <laughs> just when you think you're getting comfortable and life's going back to what we deem right. as normal. They're going to go, stop Marburg's happening. They're going to call it Marburg. <laughs> and everybody has to, this is more potent and more dangerous than what's the one Delta and COVID, you know, and they're, they're going to roll right. it out next year. But it's all, it's all a reason to it. You know, there's all a reason to it. And, uh, and many people are coming up with ways in which to get around it like you are you know, mm -hmm. doing stuff online and changing as they lose their jobs, they're sort of moving into other jobs, which is helping them, which maybe they enjoyed more than the jobs they were doing before. There's lots of reasons for this happening in the world. And uh, even right. though it looks bad, it's all good. <laughs> That's right? right. There is always a purpose behind it. I agree with that. There is always a purpose. You know, even suffering has its own purpose. Right, right, right. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Karen. It was so wonderful talking to you. Isn't Divneet gorgeous? Such a beautiful, beautiful teacher. Uh, it was fascinating hearing her story. We had a long chat after I turned off the after I turned off the uh, recording. And as usual, I was thinking it got so interesting that I was thinking, oh, I wish I still had the recording on. What were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about the ego we got more into the ego and you know when you dissolve the ego you still have to come back into understanding that we can you know i was saying that we can't operate in this world without having an ego i was telling her about byron katie when she first had her epiphany how she woke up um you know as she says a cockroach crawled over her foot and woke her up 
I always say she woke up dead because she woke up in that same experience that people often speak about when they've had near-death experiences, feeling one with everything and connected to everything, not identified with the body, not identified with personality or identity at all. And she looked in the mirror and she was looking at this face in the mirror. She had no idea it was her. And, uh, and she, and yeah, she didn't. So the ego is that part of us that, that helps us operate in this world of separateness and polarity where you say, you know, this top is mine and or this body is mine and your body is yours. It, it's, it's, this, uh, it's, it's this idea of separateness. So even um, Byron, when she first had her epiphany, didn't understand that separateness. And she's spoken about walking into somebody else's house. She had no idea that that property was not hers to walk into because there was this no concept of yours and mine. There's just this oneness of being. And so if we are identified with being completely one and unified, we couldn't really operate in this world. We couldn't really operate in this world. So as much as you can dissolve the ego, it's like you expand into the oneness and then you reconnect with your truth and you come back into the concepts and the identity of the ego, but you're completely changed and you realize that the ego is something that you wear and not something who you are. Whereas before you thought it was, you know, you thought you identified with the ego being you. Yeah, anyway, so that was a part of the conversation that we had after I turned off the recording. Uh, but yes, she gorgeous, lovely, beautiful, young, beautiful teacher. Yeah, and I was quizzing her more about India and how, the, how those concepts that she's teaching is, um, we were just talking about, I think we said it on the um, on the recording on the show as well, that, um, you know, India is one of these countries that is so identified with their religion. It's so religious everywhere you go. When I was there years ago, everything is about religion, everything, everything, everything. Uh, yeah, but... Yeah, it's an interesting place. India is an interesting place. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting place. Anyway, I think that she's hoping, because she's published the book in America, that she's hoping that um, she'll get some recognition and stuff in, in the Western countries. But I feel like she's needed in India. <laughs> she's needed in India because there's so much, you know, religion can be a good thing, but if it's just a habitual habitual thing that you don't really understand as your truth just something that you need to do in order to you know please the gods or please god or not go to hell or whatever idea you have it's kind of different than having that knowing inside you of who you are yeah that knowing that you are love <laughs> that you are peace that you are bliss that you are powerful that you need never worry or fret you are loved, guided, supported. You are, you are what you seek. You are what you seek. Anytime you seek something, you're saying, I am separate to that. And it's really simple to just reclaim that connection to what it is that you think you desire or want. I want to money because I want to feel secure or uh, not afraid or worried about money. I want to feel abundant or I want to feel rich. I want to feel like I can be and do and have anything I want. You know, money seems to, to denote freedom, uh, the ability to be and do and have anything you desire. But if you reconnect to the freedom within yourself, you are what you're looking for. You don't even need the money anymore. You stop wanting. And once you stop wanting, 
you you don that vibration you align with that vibration everything comes to you once you stop wanting it <laughs> that's the irony of all of this right i remember in the book's conversation with god god through neil donald walsh says that very clearly you cannot have what you want and then you listen to abraham and she says you can have everything you want <clears throat> both are true you can have everything you want when you stop wanting it <laughs> Ah, want your connection to God. Seek that. Know that you are that. Know that you are what you seek. There you go. In a nutshell, know that you are what you seek. I am love. What does uh, what does uh, the Federation of Light say through blossom? I am the love. I am the truth. I am the light. I am. And we had William Linville on the show, not on the show in the Inner Sanctum this week. Uh, Josie Thompson's coming up in a couple of weeks, incredible teacher. But William gave us this beautiful mantra, 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 mantra. Now, did I write it down? Okay, I found it. How about this? I am a clear, perfect channel of divine love and truth. I am a clear, perfect channel of divine love and truth. I am a clear, perfect channel of divine love and truth. Say that a few hundred times a day. See how that changes your life. I am the light. I am the truth. I am the love. I am a clear, perfect channel of divine love and truth. Yeah, you are. Everybody is when they claim it to be so. Just claim it as your truth and it will be your truth because what you know what? It is your truth. And all the lies, all the thoughts that you that you have that you're not that are the lies <laughs> that we believe to be our truth. But the truth is you are a divine, perfect channel. You are, what does he say? <laughs> you are a clear, perfect channel of divine love and truth. You are a clear, perfect channel of divine love and truth. You are an extension of source energy, which is pure, positive energy connected to all that is infinite intelligence, infinite creative potential. You can be and do anything you want. You can be and do and have anything you want. You are the power. You are the power. You are the power. You are the power of love. And boy, do we need the power of love more than anything at the moment. So I've been somebody that has been watching and listening to a lot that's going on in the world. And there's a lot going on in the world. That's why I wanted to quiz Divneet about India. But I don't think, she, apart from listening to the mainstream news, I don't think she knew too much because she's quite, as she said, insular and just doing her own thing. And uh, with all that we're seeing, we still have to remember that love created all of it and to see it through the eyes of love, to see it through the eyes of love. That even though it looks terrible, and people are sad and upset and angry and enraged on both camps with their opinions. You know, there's many opinions about what's right and wrong. And uh, they're all enraged about what is going on. It's all happening for us and not to us. It's happening for our greater, for us to remember our greater potential of who we are as genius creators here on earth and to dip into that well of creativity and wanting to create what we desire. Whether we desire freedom, 
of fairness, unity, less corruption in the world. It's all within us to create it personally and collectively. Okay, I'm going to go. It's uh, it's late in the evening. It's actually dinner time here now. And I've got another meeting in 20 minutes with some other people. So I'm going to go and have some dinner and get back online and have another meeting with our Palladian Awakening friends. And I will uh, see you next time. As I said, Josie Thompson's coming up in the Inner Sanctum. And then in December, we have Tannis Halliwell, who's been on the show. And I just adore Tannis. And I am online every week teaching spiritual principles and deliberate creation and talking about all this stuff. We have a discussion. Uh, you can ask questions, ask your questions. We do, we're doing global meditations at the moment, sending our love and focus into the world in a positive way and an uplifting way and a loving way, rather than looking out into the world and saying, no, we're looking out into the world and saying, thank you. <laughs> Appreciating the world exactly as it is, not wanting to change it or fix it, but just sending love into the world and our lives exactly as appreciation and gratitude and love is the most powerful force that you can evoke in your life including when you want to change anything so that's what we're doing and uh, lots of discussion and lots of fabulous guest teachers come and we get to meet them as i said william was just out of this world i've got two i've got a edit the guest teacher we had last month and this month i've got some editing to do and um because we had serena faith masterson the month before and whew, she's amazing too and the beautiful josie thompson who's an australian teacher and she has survived cancer twice brain tumor i can't remember where the other cancer was she's amazing and tannis remember to get the book awakened by death if you haven't already love you all big time Bye for now.